everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, bud? <laughs> Good, Dan. What's going on? Uh, not too much. Not too much. You know, it's been a... Um, a pretty packed week. I'm I'm burning the candles at all ends right now with this uh, new job that I'm doing and with this uh, band new uh, new fucked up record coming out soon. Dose your dreams and so yeah, it's been been pretty full on, been pretty full nice. on. But uh, how have you been? Good, same old man. Nothing nothing really changes in my world. <laughs> well, Chris, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad that you can be uh, a constant presence. Also here on this podcast too because this is one of those things that I look forward to each and every week a chance to just nerd out in a way that you know very few people will allow me to do in my normal life I catch myself slipping into footnote mode sometimes just in normal conversation with people and just like watching their eyes glaze over I'm like I need I need my Chris <laughs> uh well, I, I I appreciate that. I think it's funny that that if that does in fact happen, um, <laughs> with it does. people, it does. <laughs> you know, I get a little uh, I get a little chatty. Yeah, but I think I don't know. I think uh, I think it's appreciated, even if people, even if it's beyond the scope of you know what people understand. <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad uh, I'm glad it's appreciated then. Um, I think we should uh, jump on in, though, to today's episode because uh, we've kind of got to talk about something off the top that's never a pleasant thing to deal with and something we always like to deal with right off the top of the show because it's it's kind of pressing. Um, and Chris, why don't you take it away? Sure. Um, in the news, I'm sure most people who certainly follow this show, I would imagine, are aware that uh, Johnny Strike recently passed away on i just want to get the exact date which i can't seem to find was it the actual 11th i think it was on the 11th yeah early yeah, 11th. September 11th but uh he was battling cancer according to a report from kqed um as it's been listed in numerous sources and uh he was 70 so unfortunate of course as always we're reaching that age now where the pioneers of this thing that we uh admire are starting to kind of uh, get to that point unfortunately mm -hmm. so yeah i didn't uh i saw it's actually made i'm always um the sort like I've, I've seen it on a few sources pitchfork even wrote something about it but i'm always happy at least when it gets acknowledged in wider like media scope when it's someone from you know so to speak this community because mm -hmm. uh I think it, you know, as much as like, obviously it's in death and what have you, but it's, for me, it's sort of a validation of, you know, quote unquote, like the cultural impact of, you know, of, of their work. Yeah. Like, I think it really, you know, illustrates how, um, how like instrumental this band was in kind of being, this to me is the true proto-punk, you know, this and the electric eels, obviously and the stuff that was happening in Cleveland, but a bunch of like angry Dudes walking around in cop uniforms with short hair at the tail end of the 60s, basically like the hangover of the 60s, I should say, is like punk in a way that few would dare to dream. Yeah, I think, you know, this is I think the the, the, the quote unquote, the branding of this group is very like long lasting and I think it hits people still, mm -hmm. which I think shows how ahead of time they were. Oh, the aesthetic's um, incredible. Like the the graphics, yeah. like all that kind of stuff. It's just you're right. Like it really ahead of the time, and that's why it's still ripped off today. Yeah, and I, but again, like back to the pioneering aspect, it really is. You know, like we take for granted, like well, I I'd like to think we don't, but I think we ultimately do take for granted that the foundation has been you know solidly built by a lot of things already. So you don't think of the actual risk involved in making something like that in that era. Yeah. And, you know, it's a big, you know, again, and it seems, it, of course, there was a tongue-in-cheek aspect to it or whatever. But, you know, like, it's still, you know, it's, it's a very courageous kind of group to have, you know, started <laughs> in that era for sure. Yeah, like, it definitely is, you know, like, it, it was, they also played like a fucking prison, as yeah. has been mainly, uh, many kinds kind of, 
I guess turn into the punk rock myth and all punk rock myths. But yeah, it's on a myth. It's real. real. Yeah, they actually played San Quentin as is noted in the article, even which I wasn't aware of. But it's actually on YouTube, of course, if you look it up. Yep. Um, but uh, the other thing I didn't realize about him because I wasn't, I didn't follow him, uh, admittedly, closely. But I didn't realize that he was an author, and he had released uh, works recently. Yeah, 2017. There was a project. Um, I just was looking at it actually two seconds ago, uh, called uh, Naked Beast. That seems to be a little reunion of sorts featuring uh, Hank Rank and and Johnny Strike both playing in the band. Uh, and but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, you know real sad to see uh, that as you said, this is the age where we're going to start seeing you know a lot of these kind of heroes. And we've already seen it. Like you know, we've lost a lot of these types of heroes before. But um, you know, a band that got their due, but never in the way they should have, because this is like, as we said, like true punk. Yeah. I think that's, I think what you actually just said there is, yeah, it's perfectly stated. I think the thing with this group is that people know them now when you start to like really pay attention to this genre, but it's unfortunate that it's not, you know, the next, it's not in the first sentence with like, you know, the stooges or something like that. Yeah, and for whatever reason, it's not. I think to people like you know you and I, largely it is. But um, you know, it's at the same time, it's not. I, you know, there's always those groups, but this is certainly one that for me, I don't know how it didn't resonate as great uh, for whatever reason in the large cultural scheme. But uh, I do think they will get the door. They are getting it a little bit, and seeing the again, seeing the the scope of what how many places this was covered, maybe they're getting it more than I expect. Yeah, like, it's funny. I think a lot of that rediscovery is honestly probably owed to Sonic Youth for that cover on Sister. Like, the initial rediscovery, I mean, because that was before any of the reissues, right? Like, so what did Sister come out in, like, 88? Um, Sounds about right, but I'll look it up right now on the beloved resource. But, uh, yeah, there's, I think, you know, and we'll get to it later in the episode, I guess, when we discuss this aspect. But um, I, I do think you're correct there. And I had forgotten when I was reading this, like the the recaps on all this stuff, I'd forgotten that oh, they covered it. But yeah, it did come. It came out in eighty seven, actually. So, eighty seven. Yeah, so that predates any of the reissues. Like the first reissues, that eighty eight uh, First Blood bootleg that that came out, I believe. I don't think there was anything before that. And then it's so yeah, like Sonic Youth was really kind of ahead of the curve on on uh, you know who this band was and kind of their importance and. That cover is incredible. They even mimic the guitar flub at the intro. And uh, yeah. yeah, like a, a band that, you know, is well worth looking into. Well, if you have Absolutely. not checked out this band, you you have to. And I guess there's nothing better to say but uh, rest in peace, Johnny Strike. And, you know, on a unlike a, a, a personal note, you know, there had been someone who reached out um, about getting Johnny on the show. And it just hadn't happened. And, uh, I, you know, I'm going to kind of really forever regret that. Um, but, uh, Gregory, thank you so much for reaching out about that and, and trying to make it happen. And I'm, uh, I'm sorry that we just didn't get together. Uh, and that now there's, that's a lost opportunity because that is truly someone that would have been amazing to kind of get a chance to talk to. Well said. Um, yeah, rest in peace, Johnny strike. And, uh, and yeah, check out that video live in San Quentin. You know, whew, scary, <laughs> awesome video. Yeah, that's the one nice thing about the the age we're in is at least that stuff is like is not a you know a weird tape trading you know way to get that. Now you can just yeah. access it right away. Yeah, like definitely everything's now back in print, which is which is which is great for talking about this stuff because now we can all go and watch it you can pause this podcast right now and go and watch it and then you come back and you're like oh shit that's what they're talking about that's fucking amazing you know that's <laughs> the age we live in um yeah uh, they uh oh, shit there was they did a reunion not too long ago too they did some reunion shows and i didn't get a chance to see any of them but i heard they were pretty cool um and they did another album right like around that time although that was, that was when they put out the discography the complete discography mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. There was I'm just trying to find on the resource what the well the the one thing I remember seeing 
like which I guess wow it came out in 2004 now but I remember when Swami did that whatever it is I guess it's a collection yep um, but uh, the one I'm trying to find what that record is you're referring to I see one that's like a 7 by 7 inch comp is that what you're talking about the Munster put out uh, came out in 2014. The 2013 uh, Crime Murder by Guitar, 1976 oh, okay, okay. to 1980, complete studio recordings. That's the one you're talking about. Okay, The Kid and Charmer. Yeah. Oh, and then it was reissued by Superior Vine. Okay, gotcha. Um, but that's like, that is definitely the one to get. Nice, that's yeah. And it's, these things are, are still, well, judging by the sources and the market for them, I can see in front of my face. Are fairly accessible still, which is nice. So, yeah, look, the yeah. only one that's impossible price wise at this point is, uh, I guess, the second seven inch seems to be <laughs> really the one that goes for way more money. The first seven inch, even, you can kind of get somewhat affordable. Like, I mean, a first press, even. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, but <laughs> somewhat affordable. Uh, look, look, there's a oh, it's affordable, but it's affordable for you and I. But an, a, an average person's looking at that, going like, "What?" <laughs> but yes, you're correct. Yeah, the like it's significantly more expensive. Yeah, which is, I guess, because it's a rarer record. But there's only ten thousand of this. That's pretty fucking rare. Well, there's a test press, Chris. <laughs> Test press the OG. One person has it. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Anyway, getting lost in that. Um, sorry. Rest in peace, Johnny Strike. And and I'm glad this band got a little bit of appreciation. Um, and once again, like a band that record collectors, you kind of owe it to record collectors for being the people that dig out these bands that, for whatever reason, were forgotten and underappreciated, and kind of help give them a. A new life that hopefully results in real kind of success for the band and on other circuits. It's like happened. It happened with like a lot of bands around the Kill by Death time. Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of the most the, the best examples of it, actually. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, this um, the, well, the Queers career. That yeah, really but I still was think, revived by that Kill by Death yeah, stuff. Yeah, they still really performed too, though. You know what I mean? Like when you think crime really didn't seemingly perform yeah. that much until their later years, right? But well, yeah. It's funny. He didn't do anything between crime and sort of like the later crime stuff happening. You know, like yeah, the later reissue wild. stuff. Like there's – yeah, he's not like he's out going out doing new things. Um, he's kind of just like biding his time. Wait, and he knew. I was like I was already in one of the greatest bands of all time. Like why would I – ever uh bothered doing something else it's yeah. true actually that that's well stated too and especially if you kind of realize that yeah what, what are you gonna do yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why would you uh you already hit it out of the park yeah. why you know why waste your time at that point uh <laughs> i guess we should dive in chris to today's episode oh actually before yes. we do we have a big announcement we thought, huge... yes go ahead <laughs> Da, 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 da. Turn out a punk live comes to Toronto. Finally, we are going to be doing a live turn out a punk. And now get this as the opening act for dinosaur fucking junior. And that's going to be at the opera house in Toronto on my birthday. What? September the 16th. Bring me weed. Bring me records. Bring yourself bring your friends to um and come out and, and see what will probably be a pretty fucking awkward podcast <laughs> uh, for me yes well i think <laughs> i think for else. me too chris i think uh, you've heard i think it predates footnotes but that jay mascus podcast that i did way back when top five most awkward turn into punks ever yeah but i Number one, what am I? Who am I kidding? Like, what was more awkward than that? <laughs> yeah, but you still have enough of a, you know, like quote unquote, like personal relationship where you know that that didn't die on the vine. There, like you, you have yeah. other, you know, interactions. Oh yeah, no, um, I, I, uh, but I, to be completely honest, uh, I thought there was no way in hell Jay was going to agree to do this thing with me. So when I suggested it, I was like, well, that'll, that'll, that's pretty funny. 
And then, you know, when they were like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> this is happening, Chris. And like, it's, it's when you say it's like, yes, it's awkward, but I don't think anybody that is aware of, you know, his like sort of like he doesn't well he doesn't seemingly do a lot of interviews and like that's kind of how they go so i don't think it's any more awkward than any other interview that he's done <laughs> like you know he no, just that's doesn't, true. doesn't seem to want to elaborate and that's fine so yeah. in that sense i think it's it's you know if you weigh it on that metric it's it's you know it's fine it's in keeping with what you'd expect yeah that's true very true it is it is uh i can say that jay and i uh, I kind of thought it would go the other way. I thought I was going to be the guy that like breaks them, you know. <laughs> no. Nope, yeah. Well. <laughs> maybe this time. <laughs> maybe this time. Maybe this time we can break them, Chris. Get ready. Wouldn't that be amazing though if if it really was like that? Like he was like super socially outgoing and out of nowhere. I that would be more astounding. I would be like he's on drugs. <laughs> yeah. There's no way he's not on drugs. Um, <laughs> but yes, so what more about the event? You were you were in the middle of promoting the event here. Uh, well, that's that's the uh, that is kind of it. Like as far as the event goes, come on down, uh, bring your friends, bring other friends. As I said before, uh, and Chris, you're going to be there too, right? Yes. Boom! Look at that. The gruesome <laughs> twosome is back together. The toxic twins. <laughs> that's okay that's a new one well you know it's kind of like an old one but the guys who used it aren't using it anymore so i figure you know we we might as well take it <laughs> sure um uh but yeah it's gonna be a fun time hopefully i think so it, you know fingers crossed uh come on out and <laughs> and bask in the good times and uh i'll have i'll have merch i'll bring bring t-shirts you know so nice. come on out you know, buy a T-shirt. I'm going to undercut Dancer Junior by no matter what they're selling their shirts by by like one dollar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, I want to be a little fair, Chris. Uh, that's it, though. Uh, come on out to that event; it should be a fun time. It, it's going to be an amazing time. We're going to talk about so much great shit. There's so much more shit to bother them about now. Like Spike has been on the show now. You know. Yeah. Amanda stepped yeah. up. I don't mean to call her Spike. I mean, but like for in terms of like Jay, Jay's story about hanging out with her, now I can finally tell to them how awkward a hang that was for her. <laughs> Honestly, I forgot about that until just now, but yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the, uh, I, I don't know. I think it'll be good. Like, I, I think it will, people will want to hear it. And you, you know, it's not, you have all three of them. So, yeah. yeah it's and not, this is actually the. Be, and no one's heard the second interview I did with Jay because uh, I haven't ever been allowed to release it. Uh, but I did like another whole interview with Jay and actually the whole band for like a project that never came out. That was fucking awesome. So I'm really looking forward to kind of hopefully getting some of those questions that we were talked about back then out into the airwaves this time. And of course, it will be a Turn It a Punk episode in the near future that – I'm sure a lot of you people will not listen to because everyone hates the live episodes, but you're fucking missing out. <laughs> no, I think this one will be good. I think it'll I think it'll do well. Um, I hope so because it is certainly one that I'm very excited about. Nice. Awesome. Uh, and that's it, Chris. Now we I guess we should dive on in to today's episode. Yeah, man. Where do you want to begin? Uh, well, I guess Shauna Potter of the band War on Women. Have you ever seen War on Women, Chris? I have not. I was not aware of them until looking into it for this interview. But uh, yeah, like uh, you'd you'd mentioned some things in advance, but I, I looked into it like kind of heading into this. Uh, yeah, she's uh, yeah, no, she, uh, I think she's an unbelievable front person. Uh, definitely an, a great band that I've gotten to see play. In front of like some pretty, what I would imagine as someone who plays in a band, difficult crowds and the fact that they're able to kind of like win these bands and these fans over is like a testament, I guess, 
to well, not I guess is a testament to the power of the band. Uh, they I saw them with Black Flag. You know, they've obviously she talks about going out with Propagandi on tour a bunch with the band, and uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of you know incredible tours that they've done, and uh, yeah. I uh, was so stoked to get her on the show. Really, someone that I've wanted to have on the show for a very long time. So kudos to Tristan, my brother, show producer. Uh, happy anniversary, buddy. It's the anniversary of his marriage th- this past week. So, nice. yeah. So there you go. Uh, once again, coming through, getting the good guests. Thank you, Tris, for that. And, uh, yeah, I guess we should dive into the episode. Do you want to go first or should I go first, Chris? Um, yeah, you, you set one off and then we'll, I'll work off that one. Okay. Hot point off the top. Uh, I think it's amazing that we're, you know, this is like the, the world where people like still don't always consider Sonic Youth a punk band. Like she felt like she had to qualify by saying, I consider them a punk band. It's like, yeah, so do I. And it's like, oh yeah, you forget that there's people out there that try and like separate those two things for some reason. Yeah, I think, well, we kind of spoke to a bit of this uh, just a moment ago with regards to the crime cover. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm with you. I I kind of, I'm with you. I I fully agree they're a punk band. I think the the difficulty for people with a group like Sonic Youth is I think they, different people experience them in different eras. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so so you don't necessarily, like for example, I'm sure there are a lot of people that don't or even haven't listened to Sister what yeah. we referenced earlier you know whereas i think for you and i we've discussed like that's our favorite record uh or at least certainly i believe we've talked about that yep. before i think we've talked about, i don't know if we i we must have talked about it on the show but that is definitely yeah that is like for for sonic youth like you know, sonic Youth's a band that evolves like there's no way you can kind of like dismiss any era of the band because like they were always you know, yeah. doing interesting stuff. Um, but like sister is like one of those records that just, I don't know. It's sonically perfect. Like that's the crossover record to, for me of like them stopping being sort of this art punk band and starting to be like this sort of like alternative rock band that would kind of create the genre alternative rock. Yeah. Like I think for me with this group, I've lately, for whatever reason, I've seen like a resurgence in people referencing Bad Moon Rising a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, the one that's like for me in the era, in our era, I think was most referenced all the time is Daydream Nation. And for good reasons, these are great records, especially the latter is, is understandably a benchmark. But for me, and for I think the sensibilities of this podcast largely, I would argue. I think like sister or even like confusion is sex is more my damn like in terms of like the where now having said that I like the later records a lot too but um, but yes as far as them being a punk band if you look at that you know eighty seven and before yeah actually even even into the nineties I think they always had these really really big moments like if you look at like even uh, well there's you know there's a what is it the uh, the covers on Dirty, or the cover on Dirty, mm-hmm, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, you know, even Ian MacKay playing on a song on Dirty is wild. Yep. And that was a big like deal to me. They did a fucking cover of The Untouchables on that record too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, there's they, they've always, you know, I don't. I'm with you. I think it's a bit unreasonable to suggest that they're not. If there are people out there that are are that rigid, I think that's a bit unfair given the history of this group. But at the same time, I understand that they've essentially transcended, at least sonically, what that means to a lot of people. And that's perhaps why they don't get put in the argument more for some folks. But um, yeah, no, for me, no question that they are. I'm I'm in agreement with you wholeheartedly on that. Mm -hmm. And I really also kind of on the same topic of defining – bands and putting into genres kind of on the opposite thing so down with her on the point of like all this stuff (laughs) getting lumped in as riot girl that isn't fucking riot girl like that was like a real genre like i'm not saying bands today can't claim riot girl and be riot girl bands now if you want to be yes but to like throw everyone into that genre it's like no they're bands doing other shit I think, yeah, I think at the beginning of this interview, you hit on three real large points that I think are very good talking points, like the Sonic Youth one, which we sort of already broached, but 
the one you're getting onto right now, I I fully agree with also. And I think more specifically how she elaborated um, from her perspective about the idea that it's sort of patronizing that, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, sort of all like groups involving women from that era sort of get all lumped in on the basis that they had women in them rather than the fact that, you know, some were, you know, doing the riot girl thing like ground level and some weren't. They were doing something, you know, arguably equally as progressive in a different, you know, whatever spectrum. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just just weren't for whatever reason. And, and I think that that is, that is well, you know, you you making that distinction, I think, is perfectly stated, or I guess she did initially, but you elaborating on that now, yeah, I, I agree with you there too but it's it's ironic because I, I think now i just think it's a weird i wouldn't even say it's history re- revision i just think it's you know it's easy to just look back and, and think of girls with that were either were predominantly or sorry groups pardon me that were predominantly women or involving women and lumping them all in historically when you when you don't have the context of it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and some people just don't you know and I, you know, I don't even think it's perhaps a, a slight. I think it's just, you know, you assume in those years, like everything, well, it was kind of the same thing, but I, you know, I'm with you. It wasn't. And yeah. I yeah. like all the groups mentioned actually in this interview. Mm-hmm. Like I like Babes and Toyland a lot. I like L7, those records of that era. I like, uh, I don't, I've never been a whole person, but like the whole records are fine. I have no issue with them. Really? Especially and you don't ride for any of the whole records? No, I've never record, been you're like that. such a sympathy guy. Well, I like you know, like whole is okay, but just whole just never, you know, that was never my bag. But again, I I was you know like a lot of people, I was privy to whole, sort of in the commercial boom of them. So yeah. I didn't have the you know like the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The flip side era. Yeah, like I, I didn't have like I had the you know the you know the big you know, celebrity, so to speak, you know, aspect of whole rather than having them like, you know, getting into them prior or whatever. So, and again, the record's fine. Like that, whatever the, I don't know what the record's called offhand. Cause again, I'm not a whole person, but Miss World, uh, celebrity yeah, whatever skin. that record is, celebrity skin, is that what it's called? Well, there's but, Miss um, World and celebrity skin. Celebrity skin has, uh, uh is, is a pretty Miss great World's record prior to that. Right? Is it called celebrity skin or is that just a single? Anyway, sorry. My whole knowledge is slipping. We're looking it up right now. Okay. Doing it okay. right now. Here we go. So Pretty on the Inside, I remember the title of this record, but I'm trying to think if I know any of these songs. Um, I can't remember any off the top, but the record cover does look familiar. So, Oh, Live Through This. Sorry, that's the big record. Yeah, Live Through This, yeah. So, so that does have Miss World on it and whatever. So I remember this record when it broke, and I remember that first cover, the, the album cover. Celebrity Skins, like, later, that was, yeah. I definitely was out of the... Well, I was never into again, never a whole person, but I definitely was not. That didn't impact anything in my in my view. But those first two, yeah, I was familiar enough, but I never, uh, never my bag. I think if anything, that the, whatever that song on the DGC rarities. Um, oh yeah, that song's sick. Which is like called "Beautiful Sun" or something. I can't yeah. remember what it's called. Been a sun. That's a good. Been a sun. No, it's yeah, beautiful sun. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, that's a good jam. But like. Yeah, but all those groups I like, you know, enough. They're fine. But Sorry. they're not, you know. No, I'm, I'm just rustling around. If anyone hears that, I'm looking for my whole bootleg <laughs> tape that I had on my desk for some reason earlier. Um, <laughs> I can't seem to find it right now. Oh, there it is. Yeah. No, that's not, but it's, oh, it's it not, you know, that's not Bikini Kill. That's not, you know, Huggy Bear. That's no, not. and they, they fucking wrote that diss song. I went to school in Olympia. Da, na, 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 yeah. Well, I know that there was like that weird little beef. I don't, you know, backstage of the Lola Palooza, the fight. Yeah. It was like, yep. yo, Courtney Love, like, like that, that was like a, a, I could only imagine what she was having to deal with emotionally at that point. You know, like it must have been a pretty hairy time. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure there's things in hindsight that probably, you know, people would not have done <laughs> that probably being one of the incidents. Yeah. But uh, regardless, yeah, the, all those groups, it, it's funny even mentioning that exact beef, it illustrates that, yeah, it was not all the same thing. <laughs> if no. anything, it was actually 
like it was there were sides <laughs> if you wanted to be very specific but well, um, yeah like and it felt like Riker was like very much like a, a formal concept like I don't know like, I've read a bunch of books and like there's it seems like there's varying opinions from the people that were involved but like mm-hmm. so much of it felt like it was like a formal thing whereas like other bands felt like they were you know, fighting their own fights, uh, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, like, weren't tr- establishing, you know, separate, not separate, but like a, a new genre. Well, yeah, and I think, I think as well, I don't think the other groups we're referencing were like, uh, I see Riot Girl, which is, I think, a lot of, in hindsight, some of the, some of the friction uh, Riot Girl gets even in hindsight and certainly at the time is because it was like an ideological thing. Yeah. At the time I, I remember I people being vicious about it. Totally. And I, I don't, and of course, like there are some groups that weren't particularly proficient, which didn't help. So sonically there was a, you know, it was a bit grating for some people, but you know, for me and you, like I like really primitive punk, you know what I mean? So why wouldn't I like, Mm-hmm. you know, primitive, like, Riot girl influenced things or whatever. But I think, like, you know, Hole or Babes in Toyland or uh, L7 or even something like the Lunachicks or uh, any of those groups, like, they didn't seem overly idealistic to me, whereas, mm-hmm. obviously, Bikini Kill were. But, uh, you know, that Bikini Kill are, like, you know, like a Fugazi level, you know, uh, you know, paradigm shift in, in culture and music. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas I'm not sure any of the others are, and there's no shade thrown, but that's the difference. It's like for every one of those groups, you don't have a bikini kill. You know, it's so that's you know, and I'm just saying they're the easiest one to cite. But um, yeah, so I think there, I think it's important. Largely, what I'm rambling on about, I think it's important to make that distinction, as you just did earlier, by saying it's not all that that like just girl, like groups with women in them are not inherently riot girl. Yeah, like and I, I, I just love the fact that we were able to talk about like you know we didn't even get a chance to really go into Babes in Toyland, but anytime Babes in Toyland comes up on the show, it's like a happy day for me. Yeah, man, those records like I, I revisited a little bit when we spoke about it. I don't remember what episode it came up. Yeah, but what it did come did up? Did it come up? And fuck, yeah, in, in a fairly recent. Only one, someone did remember. footnotes of our footnotes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it came up, and I, I revisited Fontanelle a bit again and it's still great like i i dig that band like that's a you know the they have a longer career than i remember but those those first records i heard I, i'd still like um that's yeah, one thing here. i would say i think all these records still do hold up though i, I agree of all the groups mentioned i i do think their seminal records hold up yeah i agree like you know i think some of them have longer careers and they start to do a bit of the uh um what's the word for it uh we had a word. We we were gonna run the best. Oh, oh yeah. What was it gonna be? No, but it was. What do you call it when the, the style changed? Um, why am I failing to think of this word? Anyway, departure records. There we go. Oh yeah, the um, departure. I remember the departure record list. Yeah. So we some kind of like, stopped doing the lists on the show, Chris. We have, but it's because we we can't we can't keep up with trying to do things. That's true. <laughs> That's the problem. But anyway, departure records are, are for me, especially like relating to whole. That's certainly in there, and some of the some of the other groups. But um, so I think that sort of muddies the water on maybe some of their you know the the feelings of some of these groups in hindsight. But I think their their seminal records, at least anyway, are very very strong still. I definitely agree. Um, I guess we should move on to another point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, you said there was three points. I've got one. I've got one. So my other one is the, is the, the constant point on this show, (laughs) partially because it's a, it's a very funny Damien point, especially if you've known Damien for as long as I have, uh, which is the Fugazi topic came up again and, uh, not by me, unprompted by me, Chris. Uh, I know I'm well aware, but I think it's one. I think it's funny that you you found another who yes. happens to not be into Fugazi. Yeah. But what I wanted to to mention in this um, was that I think uh, that's more of a 
common scenario now. Not that people never got into them, but people seemingly not giving them as much due in terms of like the the sort of the underground community, so to speak. You like think? I don't think anyone would Yeah, these days, stylistically, like sonically. Yeah, like, sonically. Like the, the the thought of like people do not listen to say those records anymore, however you want to phrase that, because it's not, you know, whatever. Um, but basically, I, I, you know, and I don't think you're pushing this narrative, but I think I just wanted to state, like, if we're going to overstate the importance of Sonic Youth and Sonic Youth being inherently punk, I, I just think it needs to be stated how much Fugazi, 100%. regardless, in 2018, it's kind of like for me, and you're the OG person, on this, so there's no shade at you or even even her bringing that up of not getting into Fugazi. That's fine, but I think uh, I think when when we talk about history revision or treading on the idea of you know groups' importance in in like sort of the cultural conversation of relevance or how much they changed or you know whatever, I you know I hate to have to mention it, but in 2018, I think it's never been more uh, relevant to discuss how important a group like Fugazi are, regardless of how much you do or do not like the records. I concur, Not you Chris. personally, but yeah. I concur. I like. I do like your precious Fugazi. <laughs> well, and look, I'm not going to argue that there are certain Fugazi records I do not listen to as much, certainly, but I've revisited some of these records recently, and I, I'm still feeling them pretty much the same. Um, but, you know, I... I I do think though, like it's, it's for me, I just think people need to, to watch how they tread on the idea of like not respecting something enough. I think that's a dangerous, uh, whatever to go down. Well, even as a person who talked about not being like a huge fan of some groups on this show in, in the past, but Fugazi certainly one of the ones I like. Yeah. Like Fugazi definitely is a band that I think we all, you know, recognize the importance of deep down. But it's also a band that, like, sonically, I, you know, it's 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 a departure, <laughs> you know? I love that you still can't even settle on it, yeah. <laughs> I do like some songs. I do like some songs. Well, we're back to Ian McKay never coming on the show. <laughs> no, I don't think that's where we're treading on this. I'm just mean. I, I, I just, I worry when it's like. I get that we want to, we want sometimes want to torpedo, you know, institutions or like. I can't believe I'm hearing this from you, Chris. Oh, I definitely not the Chris that I know off air, who I know has has uh, has killed some sacred uh, like uh, golden calves over the years. Oh, I'm all about that, including ones we've discussed already. But, um, but you know, having said that, like. Point being, like, even if I were to take issue with certain things people related to any of these groups have done, not Fugazi, but others, uh, I would, you know, by no means would I ever talk about the legacies of their groups being anything but, you know, absolute, you know, 100%, you know, solidified. So that's what I mean, is I think people need to worry about or watch, you know, that idea. There are definitely a couple bands I could bring up right now, Chris, where you would... You would shit on those legacies. Oh, I would. But there's <laughs> definitely a hundred percent. I'm not arguing you there. I just mean like there are there are issues I have with certain people that have been associated with groups that I still wouldn't. You know, it, it wouldn't tarnish for me how important the groups are. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Not, and not I, God. <laughs> and Ian's someone that you can like. You can ride for. Yes, I mean, like he was very cordial and, and like he was engaged. We were very, you know, we had a lovely time speaking to him. Yep, we're gonna add more legends to the Turn Out of Punk Hangout with Legends list for you, Chris. This week with uh with uh, yeah, Dino Junior. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is not. I'm not gonna lie. That is not something I ever anticipated happening in my life. Not anticipated, but expected to happen. Okay. Well, just get ready. <laughs> <laughs> this only happens when you're uh, in the uh, whatever in in the Damien space where these things start to come together. <laughs> as uh, I'm learning, I I think they only ha- happen, Chris, because the energy around this podcast is all about linking and making stuff come together into a puzzle shape. Which brings me to the next point. Yeah, uh, I had no idea that Brooks had played in all those bands before. 
and before kind of researching the episode and had no idea that he was from El Paso, El Paso before that. And so the uh, Beto O'Rourke, Cedric, Jim Ward kind of connection was a bit of a, a revelation for me. Yeah, but it's like how – I don't even know how large El Paso is as a city. It's not a big city, is it? Well, we're going to learn all about it next week, Chris. Uh, I guess I shouldn't, yeah, bury too much on that. But yeah, that's so – I. Yeah, any like you know, anytime you find out, you know, someone's from the same geographical area and are roughly the same age, you assume that they will be, uh, you know, familiar or what have you. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea. But, I I really didn't know about all the Texas stuff and Avec and you know, like talking about someone who had like a, a a bit of a fuck around from the music industry. Yeah, like again, I don't know. So the earlier group she was saying was that Avec that had the, um, or was it the Veronica? What's the name of it? Yeah, Fair, Veron- Fair, Fair Veronica. Veronica. Pardon me. Yeah, Fair Verona. That yeah. was the band that had the uh, the issues with the label. Yeah, and they have one, well, CD out from nineteen ninety nine, self titled. So this is that. That's basically that's why nothing else happened with that. Seemingly, yeah, that's the output. Hmm. And coincidentally, the label only has one other release. Yeah, from a year earlier. I wonder if that's a sketchy label. I don't know. Yeah, they, she didn't cite which label it was, but yeah, the other record does not look incredibly promising. That uh, I want to hear this band though. Like the way she, oh yeah, no, but her band I want to hear because like the way she described it, it sounds really fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean it's well released ninety nine. Style indie rock. The cover is, I don't know, sort of like a, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, I don't know. Vibe wise, I don't know what to expect. Like, does it, did she say something? Like, I don't remember her sonically describing it as something like Warren Women, though. Did she? Oh, uh, she said the helium, this was the helium band? The helium band, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's got that look about it. Helium's that fucking kind of amazing, rock. too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I love that. I love that band so much. So I was, I was, yeah, very stoked that they got brought up on this show again. So the Fair Fair Verona band was the helium, well, the one she described as having helium influence. Mm-hmm. And then Avec is the God. super mathy one. And Avec is the mathy one. What is the Avec? Wow, yeah, there are a bunch of records here. Yep. 2004, 2007. And then the first War on Women is 2011? Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay, that, that makes sense, huh? But she played guitar in the other two bands, correct? Yes, but I think she played guitar and sang in uh, Fair Verona. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. I don't know. Again, I'm I'm not terribly familiar with these bands myself, but um, I think it's cool. Like I think I you know any time that you are interviewing someone and they you are not familiar with it. <laughs> I'm always mm-hmm. amazed. <laughs> well, there's just, you know, like that's why I love doing the show. Cause it shows me that there's so much more out there. You know, it's like an unending kind of pool to dip in. Yeah. But I mean, I like what I think is neat when you're sort of unearthing the things like we're discussing here is that the connections like you're talking about, which is your, you know, sort of your, your central thesis is how interconnected all of this stuff can be. Mm-hmm. And so you tend to find those those lanes or what have you, those those channels, like you just pointed out with the El Paso thing, which relates to next week's episode, correct? Yes, it does. Next week, Cedric from At The Drive and Mars Volta on the show. Yeah. A monster of an episode. It is so fucking good. Nice. But yeah, I don't know what to mention as far as these bands because I haven't heard these other bands, but... Um, but yeah, kind of cool that she had done like you know a bunch of different styles before doing this. You know, like it's uh, it like that's a, one thing. There's a lot in common as we established, like both being in the Wizard of Oz, uh, both not being the biggest Fugazi fans. You know, but the one difference <laughs> is she like definitely took an instrument, applied herself to it at a very young age, and and like played in a fucking math band with it yeah it's 
I think though, like it makes sense. Like I, I think now I'm more, I'm more. Uh, I think of the other groups. It's it's most surprising that she's a front person in like an aggro band now. That's more of a, a of a surprise to me based on the other groups. Yeah, like I think that's the thing though. Like it, they're that's the great thing about Bikini Kill is like they were a band that for some reason like connected with people that didn't necessarily you know connect with hardcore right away but they were a fucking harder band than a lot of hardcore bands and like that anger and rage like to be exposed to that at a young age and then kind of be able to kind of like tap back into that as an older person like yeah like it must have felt really good because she is you know purpose-built for being a front person well, I haven't ever seen them, but I see like based on what you're saying and even in the interview you mentioned. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, like anything like, I don't know, I can't speak highly enough of Bikini Kill. I've, you know, that's come up on the show before, so I get it. And I guess I get like, it's just, I always laugh because as, I don't know about you, but as I age, I, I don't feel <laughs> like like being as, well, and you're, you're in a unique position because that is your duty in a group. But I I feel less like being a screamy front person mm-hmm. as I age. <laughs> that's what I mean to say is what I'm trying to get at there. Well, that's because Chris, you're not in touch with your anger. Oh, I'm in touch with it. I'm just very boring and old and lazy. Well, let me tell you, you you need to get back out there. <laughs> Keep it up, reunion <laughs> no. 2019. No, no, no. That's not. That doesn't need to happen. <laughs> it would be awesome. We will make it happen. We'll make it happen. I turned out a punk fest. <laughs> yeah. Which, no, still don't think it would happen. Well, Chris, you know, I don't know. You haven't seen the offer. I'm talking Coachella money. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll okay. see. Okay. Well, we've we got to get a sponsor for Turned Out a Punk Fest. So if you want to sponsor Turned Out a Punk Fest, uh, how do they email us here, Chris, at the show? Yeah, to reach us, it's footnotes at gmail.com. All right. So we're not ending the show now, but I just, you know, figured that was a natural segue to kind of get that email. And that also then people can stick around. They hear the email now. (laughs) True. Yeah. Maybe they're going to dip out, you know, gets weirder as I get more stoned sometimes on the show. So, you know, people are like, ah, fuck. He's at that point. Click. (laughs) Let's see. Let's hear who's Marin's got on this week. (laughs) <laughs> what um what was the i have a question for you because it came up in the interview and i was curious was it the first helium lp that they were touring on when you saw them open for i can't remember who you said it was what year's Nirvana? the first one no no sonic Youth. five it would have been it would have been that, that first one yeah dirt of luck yeah coincidentally released by matador records yes i i've been there full circle I tell you, it always comes back to the matitude. <laughs> um, the matitude, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the matitude. So that was one. Of, you said that was one of your first shows. Yeah, Sonic Youth at uh, the warehouse. On, uh, I'd been to Lollapalooza. I'd been to a couple other shows before that, but that was one of my first shows. Like first, gotcha. and it was twenty shows. Washing Machine Era Sonic Youth, likely, I think. Yeah, Washing Machine Era. I think yeah. the first time I saw him, it hadn't come out yet, but by that point, it had come out. Yeah. Neat. I don't remember if they played Dirty Sea, because that would have taken up like a big chunk of the set. <laughs> exactly. There goes half the set. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait. <laughs> oh, man, that's half this set. <laughs> um, not that I don't like Dirty Sea, but. Uh, you know, I wonder. Yeah, if, it's hard. It's hard as you know. How often do you guys play "Looking for Gold"? It's a great example. Yeah, not not in years, not or in any years. of the years, year of whatever, like all those. Like, you, I know you've done it, but like you know, you probably don't throw those into a set willy nilly. No, and I think you and me can both agree right now. The better <laughs> Dirty C is, of course, the one by Swinging Utters. <laughs> yes it's not the same song but, no, yes. but that's one of the best songs ever imagine it was the same song though in sonic youth are just covering a, a nothing uh, comes over me nothing like inspiration 
Yeah. What is your favorite Sonic Youth song ever? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, whew, that's a hard one because that's a big catalog. Um, my, oh my. I have to think on this for a sec. What, do you have one? You got one on yeah. the uh, loaded up? Yeah, okay. I'm going to say first runner up. Uh, yeah. You go first and then second runner up? No, second runner up. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say is um, oh man, what did the say? Uh, probably something off dirty. Maybe a hundred percent. Okay. Ready. Well, no, because yeah. then I want to give a little, you know, context for where I'm going to go with number one. Uh, number yeah. two, schizophrenia. You know, with a with a bullet. And number one of all time for me, Sonic Youth, genetic. Oh, with the <laughs> Lee Ronaldo, yes, Lee Ronaldo B side, Chris. What a perfect song that, that is. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Like that's it's hard to pick songs. I would probably pick some off Goo. Let me see here. Oh, something off Goo. Why did he say yeah, Goo? Dirty Boots, baby. Dirty Boots is deadly, but I think ah, it was a. It was like I think it was a video even, but damn, Cool Things a good a good song. Cool Things pretty uh, cool. Yeah, Chuck Chuck D's in the video. Yeah, I've always been a, a big fan of Mildred Pierce, though, just because it's so insane. But certainly mm-hmm. not my favorite Sonic Youth song. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's tough. They have a lot of good songs of that era. It would be things in that era. I have a sick the, bootleg uh, where they cover uh, uh, a bunch of Ramones songs. Weird. It's awesome. Like what? What? Like uh, Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World. Yeah. Like they do. It's in Chicago. Because he goes, I lost my love to Steve Albini. One, two, three, four. Nice. That's the best. That's my favorite own song. That song's incredible. um, Yeah. Anti-Scene does a cover of it that's also pretty pretty unfuckable with. (laughs) Weird. I've never actually heard that. Kira, that would be interesting, I think. I would like to hear both these covers. (laughs) They're both both great in their own ways. Yeah. I don't think they would be too much like exactly like the original too, which is why I'd be curious to hear it. No, Antiscenes is is harder. Definitely, Sonic Youth is is you know I think a pro uh, trying to get the same energy. No one is tighter than the Ramones though. The Ramones is like a razor type version of that razor tight version, I should say of that. Well, this the, the irony is the studio version is good, like it's classic, obviously. But the I find if you hear and some of those reissues that came out, there's live sets, like uh, especially on the uh, Leave Home. Uh, there's a whole, there's a live set where there are covers of it, like not covers, they're whatever live versions. Yeah, of whole era, set. Yeah, are just so insane. Like they're so fast and hard. Like, they were always yeah. way faster live. You know, even if you listen yeah. to Adios Amigos. Yeah, it's that's like, a great record. Yeah. Or not, sorry, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of local live. But oh, no, yeah, local yeah, live. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of too. Sorry, not yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um It's amazing with the they probably playing that fast because they didn't want to be around each other. Like, let's get the <laughs> fuck away from each other. I gotta go watch baseball. I gotta go hate this guy. Yeah, it could be, <laughs> but regardless, the outcome was good. <laughs> the outcome was good. You know, like you don't have to be friends to make great music together. Look at the sex crystals. You know, and then look what happens when you're all best friends in the band. You get Fugazi, you get The Clash, you know? Mm, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a, that is a very entertaining point. <laughs> uh, um, what, I'm trying to think of where we're going. What just going joking. On? Don't get fucking mad at me, everyone out there again. <laughs> um, what am I looking at here? Next point. Baltimore, I don't know enough about Baltimore to elaborate on. Um, I haven't been in a while. When were you, Did you play there recently at all? We haven't played in a while, actually, Chris, uh, on the East Coast especially. But we have played there over the years quite a bit. And I think I'm going to be going there pretty soon. No, but I think I'm actually going to Washington, D.C. I don't think we're playing in gotcha. Baltimore proper. Because even when we did our little tour thing, we didn't uh, – for some reason I thought – We no, stopped we there, didn't we, to get food from Josh's friend? Once I think as a mango, oh, I, the mango I played incident. Baltimore with 
I have played Baltimore with you with fucked up once, but uh, meant like yeah, recently. we did play Baltimore. We who do we play with yeah. in Baltimore, Chris? The Cro-Mags. And, and Cold World, motherfucker. Uh, Wilkes Byer, motherfucker. And for footnotes, listeners, the probably the most important footnote yeah. is we played with a reuni- or like briefly reunited uh, Gut, Gut Instinct. Instinct. Yeah. Which was sick, actually. They were fucking sick. Yeah, it's great. It was a fun yeah, so show. That was a fun tour, Chris. It was. It's, fun. it's funny, though, that thinking on it now that you and I have actually played Baltimore together. <laughs> We've gigged together, Chris. We've gigged together yeah. over the years. But of all the cities, like I've been to Baltimore very little. And ironically, we've played it. That's uh, also the, uh, the hometown of uh, some amazing filmmakers, too. John Waters. Yeah, yeah. I think there's probably other ones, but John Waters is the one that is pertinent to us on this show. Of course. Who would be a great interview as well? An unbelievable interview. Apparently a huge Spaz fan. Really? That's the rumor. Well, I always remember what was the – his movie in like the late 90s or early 2000s. This isn't Spaz related, but didn't he, he put Locust in a movie or he put them on the soundtrack or something? To one of those movies, I think his? he did. I think he put Locust on there, but I remember there being like some weird story too. With okay. that. No, me was like me was in some other band. That I don't know, but yeah, no. And there's also all those amazing Divine records too. Another one, one of his cast members for a bunch of his early films. Yeah. Divine records are great. Rest in peace, um, Divine. Yeah the uh, the movie was called. I think it's called Cecil Be Demented. Is that the name of it? I yeah. Remember there being yep. something. Yeah. That's the movie from 2000. Sorry. Just for mm-hmm. anyone who's interested in looking that up. Is it Ethan? Um, not Ethan Hawke, but that other dude. What's his face? He kind of <laughs> fell off the face of the earth. Yes, he did. Stephen Dorff. And it's funny that you Stephen said it that Dorf. way. That's, that's exactly right. Melanie Griffith and Stephen Dorff are the uh, the main cast members. Do they have, I think, enough... Uh, what else is on that song, the soundtrack? I'm trying to remember. Ooh, I don't know. I'd, uh, I'll look it up now since this is what we do. Be demented. I'm on the resource too, buddy. There it is. I'm not even. I'm just doing a general search. Moby. Meet Jack. Which is pretty. Yep, the locust is indeed on it. Um, what else? Two locust songs. Weird. Yeah, Meat Jack song. <laughs> it's got a it as Liber- well. Liberace song, Locust song. <laughs> yeah, it's Meat uh, Jack, like you said, Moby. Yeah, it's just a bizarre. It's a kind of a bizarre movie, actually. Like as far as John Waters movies go, it's it's like the most trauma of John Waters movies. I feel like. Yeah, he's got that in him. You know, he does. Like- but I, I, it's it's I don't know. It's not as it didn't leave him uh, like any lasting impression on me. Yeah, there's a, a run of his films that I wouldn't say are as as uh, near and dear to me as some of the earlier stuff. Yeah. I remember being at my friend Simon Ennis' house, the guy that ultimately kind of got me into punk, and he was watching Pink Flamingos. And I'm like, what are you watching? He's like, you're not ready for this. <laughs> that is true. He's probably correct. I, and I, I took his word. I didn't see it that day. Probably wasn't ready. Nice. Yeah. I... I remember we I got it somehow via like a tape trading scenario, like with a friend had it, and then we were like, okay, we'll watch it. We heard like you know rumors, mm-hmm. and I remember watching it and being like pretty disturbed the first time oh, I saw God. it. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy one to watch for your first time. It was all the stuff that you don't hear about, though. That's what disturbed me more. Yeah, like all the all the chicken stuff, and I was like, oh man, it's disturbing the whole way through. Yeah, it is. This is true. Uh, okay. Well, anything else that you want to get to tonight, Chris? <laughs> uh, no, not entirely, but I do want to do a callback based on what we just said. Sure. So you brought up, you brought up the most infamous John Waters movie. Yeah. And I always remember seeing a photo back to the Ramones of Johnny, not Johnny, pardon me, Joey Ramone with... Uh, I don't know what her name would have been in real life, but she's the egg lady. In oh, that yeah, because she was like an Andy Warhol factory uh, person, I believe. 
I guess, yeah. And I've never, I've seen the photo, and I've never understood the context of the photo. And I'm, I don't know if you know anything about it, but if anybody does, feel free to uh, uh, enlighten us. Turn out a punk footnotes at gmail dot com. But I was just curious. So you, yeah, you have seen. I've yeah. always been very uh, per, like perplexed. I think by it's that. from Punk Magazine. I guess, yeah. It says there's the, the caption is some someone put something in my drink. Yeah, the, the, and then there's the like some with word bubbles on them too, which is very yeah. much in keeping with um, uh, their style at that time. Yeah, there's one here. Just doing a general search. Choi Moon and Edie the Egg Lady. Yeah, at Punk Magazine's Mutant Mon- Mutant Monster Beach Party. Doesn't list a year. Weird. But if she if she was a uh, a Warhol uh, person or whatever, that makes more sense to me. But I was always perplexed as to why that existed. I, and I would I wonder if that Warhol. Maybe I'm making that Warhol thing up. Maybe, but either way, if anyone knows the history on of that scenario, like just if she was into punk or like what, like how did that have? It's always perplexed me. That photo. yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things where I guess at that time, I don't know, who knows? Like, yeah, if you know the if you know the story, get in touch with us. And how do they do that again, Chris? Turn out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. Awesome. Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you again to Shauna Potter. Please go in and check out War on Women if you have the opportunity. They are an incredible band to see live. And uh yeah, and then next week on the show, Chris Cedric. Nice. Uh, All right, everyone, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye!